Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we have Jamie Leverton, who was introduced to us by the one and only Greg Foss. Greg is becoming a regular on the show for good reason. He has a ton of good insights and so much amazing experience that's so applicable right now. But he thought it was a great idea to bring on Jamie Leverton. Jamie, she is the CEO of Hut 8 Mining Corp. And if you're not familiar with Hut 8, I'm gonna read off their LinkedIn profile here what they say about themselves. They are the proud leader of one of the world's largest publicly traded Bitcoin mining companies, headquartered and operated in Canada, trading on the TSX. Hut8 creates value for its investors through low production costs and appreciation of its Bitcoin inventory. And in talking to her, we came to understand that HUD-8, not only do they mine Bitcoin, but they hold a lot of the Bitcoin that they mine. So it's just an interesting story, not only her life story to become CEO of this billion dollar plus Canadian corporation. So that story alone is amazing, but just what they're involved in with Bitcoin mining is really insightful. And then Greg is involved with Validus Power. And Validus Power, if you haven't heard of Validus Power, they are now in partnership with Hut8. And Validus Power, their high-end description is power at scale, on demand and anywhere in the world, whether you're on or off the grid. Validus provides customers of all types, including industrial businesses, developing remote and remote communities, essential services and data centers, the ability to generate reliable, sustainable power whenever and wherever it is needed. So they basically have essentially power plants on the back of 18-wheelers that have these turbine engines that can be deployed anywhere across Canada to deliver remote power centers right across the country. So it's kind of natural that they're forming a partnership with HUD-8 so they can get kind of get wasted energy and turn that into Bitcoin. So when you hear Greg describe that aspect of what they're doing and why they are in partnership together, it's just fascinating. So really we love the evolution of what's happening in the world here. And I just feel very fortunate to bring on Jamie Leverton, share her own personal story and what HUD-8 is doing, and then Greg Foss with Validus Power and what Validus is doing and how they're working together. So we get into all kinds of weird and wonderful topics on this podcast, as usual. Um, really grateful for it. I think you're going to enjoy it. And before we get going, if you are looking at the real estate market here in the greater Toronto area and you're trying to make sense of it, especially now with condos, condos are like back. So there is multiple offers on condos. We're, we're seeing showings on condos again from the, the individuals on our team who do some work in the Toronto proper area in the condo market. It's unbelievable what they're seeing in the last few weeks. So the condo market is back. Rents have not completely recovered at all, but for sales, we are seeing lots of activity, whereas six months ago there was almost crickets or no activity. So the condo market's back. So if you're trying to make sense of what's going on in the real estate market and you want some information, you can go go to rockstarinnercircle.com and get access to all our information. That's rockstarinnercircle.com and you'll get reports and books and videos and articles and updates of all sorts. You can get on our weekly mailing list there as well. So that's rockstarinnercircle.com. That's enough with the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with Jamie Leverton and Greg Foss. And um, Jamie, we were just saying, I don't, I don't, I don't matter anymore. Right? Oh, yeah. Nick's here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Nick's like, here. Just like that. Yeah. No, well, we're here. This is our podcast. I just I assumed you're here. I don't know. Um, we were just talking about uh, 
Jamie's husband, who's a rugby player, or was a rugby player. Yes, I didn't know we retired. were going to start with your husband, by the way. <laughs> but it we, happens. We were just saying that rugby players, they're tough individuals. Mm. But uh, And I have full respect for anyone who's ever played rugby. Because if somebody was running at me at full speed and smashed me, I think I would crumble into a million pieces. So, so, so let, let me jump in, because I'm. it's almost four sentences, and I haven't said anything. <laughs> Jamie's husband isn't just a rugby player. He was captain of the Canadian national rugby team okay canada actually has a, an amazing national rugby team do we oh it's unbelievable how good canada is for a, a country that we think of as a country of hockey players okay yeah, that has no league like very few leagues or infrastructure yeah, no right? development right? so yeah, yeah. Our, our women's rugby program and rug, women's rugby team best top five in the world consistently often top three they're yeah. incredible and it's oh. funny it's it's amazing how many young women i hear playing rugby yeah i didn't know that yeah so it's an amazing sport it, it's amazing and it's it's actually way less damaging than football uh physically um, and so I played in Montreal with a, uh, one of the top clubs in Montreal. For, Did you? Oh yeah. Oh. And it's a great, uh, it's a great sport, but it's really great for women. Not, you know, great as a, yeah, you get bruised and stuff, but you're not, you get concussions, but it's, it's, you know, but that being said, no, look, it's, it's, it's a, a sport that is not necessarily designed that you have to stop someone for the last three yards, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a 110 meter field or a hundred meter field half a meter doesn't matter like it does in football in rugby it's all about strategy it's a really really yeah, smart okay. game of moving around it's very strategic and, and and because they're not in full equipment if you hit somebody at pace you're going to hurt yourself too mm -hmm. so they absolutely learn how to tackle and they have to go into contact to protect both themselves and the other party correct yeah, got it. Okay, so I want to bring it back to Jamie because uh, we got <laughs> off on the right. So Jamie, you got to walk, walk us through. So first of all, what is I, I, just for everyone listening, what is HUT8? Because I don't think a lot of people understand. Everyone's still learning about Bitcoin. Right. Never mind Bitcoin mining. So can you just describe HUT8? But then I want, I want you to take us through how you got to the position that you're in. So the long story or the short you story? Just whatever's the right story. Yeah. You decide. All, the, all yeah. the stories you haven't told people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the stories you've never told before. We want those stories. Okay, so the longer one then. <laughs> but HUD 8. So what is HUD 8? Can you just describe that for everybody? Yeah, so HUD 8 is one of North America's largest publicly traded Bitcoin mining operations. We are Canadian. We trade on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Uh, all of our operations are currently in Alberta across two sites, Medicine Hat and Drumheller. We've got 109 megawatts in production. And uh, that's pre predominantly we self-mine. So about 100 megawatts are used for self-mining. And then we do have a, a hosting revenue stream, which is the other nine megawatts is used for hosting. Uh, and then I introduced, uh, well, actually, I, let me take a step back. Harita is also famous for being uh, one of the OGs of hodling. So uh, for those of you kind of paying some attention to the Bitcoin space, Michael Saylor made a trade with MicroStrategy that made holding Bitcoin on your balance sheet with no intention to sell a bit more famous. And then obviously Tesla followed suit with a $1.5 billion uh, trade a few weeks ago, but hud has been holding Bitcoin on balance sheets since uh, early 2018. So we now have over 3,000 self-mined Bitcoin on our balance sheet, uh, which makes us one of North America's largest hodlers of Bitcoin, in addition to being one of the largest actual miners producing every day. 
So, and, and the reason that so much of that infrastructure is in Alberta is just cost of energy. Cost of energy, absolutely, and land, and also the climate. The climate in Alberta is spectacular for mining operations. We have container-based data, data centers, so they're 1.1 megawatt containers that take advantage of free air cooling. The climate in Alberta, uh, it's dry. The winters are very, very long, very, very cold. There's lots of wind. And we actually strate strategically place the containers to take advantage of, of the maximum winds for air cooling. And so the miners just run really, really optimally in those conditions. And we take advantage of, of free air cooling, which is obviously uh, great for our OPEX and, and better for the environment as well. So then Canada, do you think going forward, Canada is just well suited for Bitcoin mining because of our energy here? I mean, now I'm getting away a little bit from HUD-8, but just Canada as a whole. Absolutely. There's a lot of opportunity here. I think there's a ton of opportunity. We have, uh, we're known for energy. We've got a long history in natural resources, in mining. Um, I think we're perfectly set up to take advantage of the growth that is going to continue to be exponential in this space. We're, so were you guys one of the first publicly traded miner, miners or yep. mining companies to then hold your own Bitcoin? Or yes, the, the, the first or that you know of or one of the first? Uh, one of the f one of the first publicly traded, yeah. yes, and one of the first active hodlers, absolutely for sure. Hmm. And then we I'm have the largest balance of self mined Bitcoin uh, of any miner that's publicly traded. And if you add up the the self mined Bitcoin on balance sheet of the rest of the North American Bitcoin miners, it doesn't it doesn't reach the level that we hold ourselves. Something's in interesting about HUD eight, and I've, I was kind of running this by. Um, Nick and Greg before you got here was that um, um, can can HUD 8 is HUD 8 a future bank and here here's what I'm thinking I know you guys already have your decisions on uh, on this kind of stuff but here's just what I'm, I'm I'm thinking if the current financial system makes money when I sign a mortgage right money doesn't exist I sign a mortgage money's created and that funds that property that I'm go going to buy if if Bitcoin becomes a monetary asset or is a monetary asset already you know whatever we're going to decide on, on Bitcoin and the miners are self-producing the Bitcoin doesn't that be doesn't the miner then become kind of like a future bank well, or, or is this not how a mining company wants to be perceived just in my head that's just a thought that goes through my mind I'm like are these the are these these future banks well the Bitcoin miners are also the processors of all transactions on the Bitcoin network so I Few people actually recognize that that's another part of how we um, are able to attain new Bitcoin on a daily basis. The block reward is packaged up with transaction fees, and that's that's what goes to our earning. So if we're the processors of the transactions that occur on the network, and the network is a store of value, and we also produce uh, more of that store of value, um, I can't speak to perception. I can speak to that's how we work. That's exactly what yeah, it's we just do. My, it's, yeah. my, it's my perception, and my perception might be completely Well, there's no naive. perception. If you're creating the money and you're handling <laughs> the transactions of the money, that's what you're doing. You're, you're you know, without, without is saying is Bitcoin it. money or is Bitcoin a store of value? Yeah, true, yeah. true, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's how we want to call it. Greg, I know you're, you're chomping at the bit to say something here. So, yes, it will be. Bitcoin miners. Oh, I thought be. you were. I thought you were shaking your head at me, saying, "No, Tom, you're off base." Well, I, I didn't want you to go there that quickly because I didn't want to get involved. But I had. I was oh, okay. biting my tongue. I was biting my tongue for so long. 
So 100%. We held you off another four minutes there so, before you spoke, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Might be and, a new and, record for Father. Oh, and now hold on. Okay. And thank you, Jamie. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for having me. This is my fifth uh, appearance on Rockstar It is your podcast, I think. We're so, just bit players in your reality. Well, right? this listen, listen. It's exciting to be here with Jamie. Um, yeah, running a great com- com- company and in a great country, okay? But let's let's break down your question. Nothing happens quickly. Um, Bitcoin's only 12 years old, but as the most secure form of collateral ever created by mankind, which is Bitcoin, absolutely, it will be used for the bank of the future. Okay? Someone who's been in markets for 32 years and knows the dangers of collateral unwinds, the dangers of the collateral cycle, the danger of the margin clerk coming over to your desk and saying, hey, Foss, you know, you're over levered. Start selling anything. I don't care what you sell. You need to bring leverage down. And you don't always sell what you have to. You sell what you can. So if you're holding a portfolio of really illiquid stuff and you should be selling that illiquid stuff, but you you can't can't because there's no bid, you're hitting and you're selling stuff that you don't want to be selling. Think of what Bitcoin would be in that case. First of all, it's a trillion dollar market cap. It's the most secure form of collateral ever created. And it trades 24 hours a day. So the answer is yes. Okay, very simple. Don't overthink this. Yes, Bitcoin. Well, but it's only 12 years old now. Jamie, no, okay. I get it. Sometimes so, so, I, like, I like to live in the future. Because, so we, well, Bitcoin is the future, so congratulations. You're living in the future. <laughs> the, the thing I wanted to mention about which is so exciting about Jamie is that she's doing it in Canada where most of the Bitcoin mining is overseas, right? So Canada's what, Jamie? 4% of Bitcoin mining? Maybe not, not even. Okay, so we need to bring more to North America, not just Canada, but to, to North America. And that's going to happen because of our very valuable natural resource and access to these very valuable natural resources full stop don't overthink it canada needs it the politicians don't realize it yet but they need it and more than anything the canadian citizens need it so yeah so for for hud eight i guess to continue to grow then it seems like canada we have an energy source that you can kind of tap into are some of the grow i'm just thinking now restrictions and i guess some of this you may not want to talk about so just share what you want is it what about like the the chips that we you know these asic chips i always hear mm-hmm. about and the infrastructure yep. is that something just an ongoing thing that you're always trying to accumulate more mining infrastructure to mine more it, it's a bit of a balance and i if you kind of look back to the last cycle where bitcoin peaked late 17 early 18 uh, and there was a lot of excitement and a lot of energy in the space and the price of of asic miners went up and a lot of miners put a lot of cap or a lot of capital into those asics and then the economics changed mm. and it actually caused a lot of bitcoin miners to not be able to survive crypto winter a lot of write downs had to take place um, so there is a delicate balance there. HUD-8 is incredibly blessed to have survived crypto winter as well as we did. Part of the, re- the uh, reason we were able to come through um, so successfully was the Bitcoin we, we held on our balance sheet. Mm-hmm. And at a time when raising capital for Bitcoin miners was almost impossible, we were able to, uh, to work with Genesis, our partner, um, and use our Bitcoin as collateral for a loan to give us the capital that we needed without selling down our Bitcoin position. Uh, the other benefit of being around uh, 
as long as we have, is we have a multi-generation set of uh, mining equipment in the field. And what that allows us to do is really protect our balance sheet. We have three vintages of equipment mining. Um, The oldest vintage is fully depreciated, therefore completely de-risked on our balance sheet. The middle vintage is almost entirely depreciated. We use a two-year depreciation cycle, so very conservative. Uh, Both of those um, generations of mining equipment are all actively producing incredibly profitable, um, but without any balance, with very limited balance sheet risk. And then our newest generation, we've been bringing in um, latest generation technology from MicroBT over the last seven months, and we uh, have another order that's delivering almost monthly uh, for the next five months all of MicroBT. So that puts, we will have to depreciate that equipment, but it gives us the latest uh, the latest generation of equipment, which is the most efficient, the most powerful. And then we're always looking at what's the next right investment, but without uh, taking unnecessary risks or exposure on the balance sheet. So being very patient and diligent and, and rolling out uh, that expenditure in a calculated way. That's fascinating. I never heard of it that way. Yeah. The old vintage is fully depreciated. Yeah. That makes complete sense, but it's it's still good enough to continue mining. Oh, very much so. Okay, so I, that's that's really fascinating about the mining industry that I never thought of it. You can completely depreciate it if it still exists. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Greg, I was talking there too. You go, you go. But that's that is fascinating stuff, Jamie. That's that's blowing my mind. Well, you I can sp- fully depreciate that stuff and it still produces value. Absolutely, that's freaking for sure. Crazy. It's, when I started my career, I started at IBM at a time when IBM was uh, still in the PC game and had IBM Global Financing. And it was, it was the time that evergreen programs really became hot, which was, let's not chase this capital balloon every three years that we have to spend on our Intel-based hardware. Let's refresh a third every year and just spread it out, manage the fleet in a really consistent and proactive way. That's exactly what we're talking about here. So cool. Sorry, Greg. So you know what's yeah, neat yeah. is uh, sitting here as an observer, uh, biting my tongue. Uh, I have blood uh, blood coming out of my tongue <laughs> now, everyone. It's uh, But it's such a great story, Jamie. And and you know what I like to do is even simplify it more. Uh, you know when Bitcoin was is Satoshi's vision, uh, you could mine it on your computer, right? I mean, that's the reality. Now try mining it on your computer today. You still can in theory. You're just not going to win any, Okay. And my, then, my son's friend at Western, I guess they all got together and tried to mine some. I think it took them however long, and they got one cent of value or okay. something, and so they, then, they froze that's the entire good. network. Down like okay, <laughs> but that's good. Um, so then the, the, the techies out there realized, you know, if you use these GPU, right, the, the cards on the, on the, on the, game, the game cards, oh, man, these things are great for mining Bitcoin. It's, it's, it's a stronger, faster. So then it... It, it went up, but you're still not going to mine Bitcoin today on GPUs. You can. What does a GPU stand for? Graphics something? Yeah, I think it's some, a graphic processing unit. Okay, exactly. that's what it is. Exactly. Okay, so that's it. So yes, in theory, you could. You could group a bunch of GPUs, and you could try and compete on the network to, to, to mine some Bitcoin. But the natural life cycle is no. Now you got, and for the people out there that don't understand or don't even, uh, how about this? ASIC stands for Application Specific Integrated Circuit. Okay, they're actually making chips specifically designed for mining Bitcoin. It just gives you a, an idea of the evolution of the uh, uh, of the industry. 
And I think there's an ongoing, they're always hard to get, right? I don't think right now they are. You never know. It's never, never been harder than it is today because of the worldwide shortage of silicon, which is affecting every industry. Yeah. Okay. Including Including those. Including the production of ASICs. So do you think perhaps someday it would be really great if Bitcoin mining led to the return of of, of semiconductor manufacturing in North America. Do you think that might be like a, a, a military advantage and a strategic my, advantage? My hope happened? was that COVID was going to lead to some supply chain changes and we would start doing more domestically. But well, we can I, make I a think, lot of masks here. That's think, really wild. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's I think do. that's out the window. My hopes are long gone already. But the, what people don't understand about the supply chain right now is Bitcoin miners ha- take incredible risks of their capital when they go to procure this equipment. You're... You you you're put, pay, it, you're you pay, put you're a deposit down, um the the terms are really not in your favor most of the time, and and you're at the mercy of the manufacturer on what you get, the quality of what you get, the timeline in which you get it. And very interesting, okay, right there is why a Bitcoin miner needs to diversify, because Jamie just nailed it. You're at the mercy. You don't control your input costs. You don't control your output costs. Are you happy in that business? Yeah, because the price goes up, but it's volatile too. You never know really. Doesn't always go up. No, it doesn't. And if you're holding it on your balance sheet, and all of a sudden it's gone down in half, it's a tricky business. It's kind of a a competitive advantage. But it's a bit of a competitive advantage. So Jamie and I, once you're in at scale, hard to come in against. How about this as a as an as an introduction? So the first day that Jamie met each, we met each other. We're at lunch. It's very nice. I told her. I understood the career she was considering, and I said, I'm shorting your stock right now. Right? Is that true, Jamie? Yeah. I told you. I told her I'm what a, shorting. What a nice intro. Well, because she, I said, she left and said. I had been announced as the incoming CEO. Oh, I hadn't but, started the job yet. I have lunch with Greg, and he's like, I'm shorting, I'm shorting your stock. And because? She, and because she went home and said, no. She, did, she, she Greg would. expresses love. Oh, no, no. no let, me yeah. add, let me add one point. He also said, why would they hire you? Oh, come on. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. I am a nice guy, ladies and gentlemen, and that's not together true. I said to Jamie, so I need to qualify this. Hey, hey Jamie, now, because we're witnesses. She, I said, I'm shorting your stock against being long Bitcoin. Okay, so it's not an outright short. And by the way, Jamie, I told her, I believe in you 100%. Isn't that correct? That's correct. I said, I'm so excited for you. But you got to understand my belief is, and I'd been trading HUD-8 a lot. I knew the guy that started HUD-8, okay? Because I, let's not go there. At the end of the day, HUD-8 was in a difficult position versus the value of Bitcoin. And that's my life, is spent what is overvalued, what is undervalued. And if if they're exposed to the same market, you sell the overvalued thing and you buy the undervalued thing. And that would have been, I would have been long Bitcoin and short HUD-8. Now, full disclosure, I am long HUD-8 now, okay? And I told Jamie... And and why are you long HUD-8? If I said because of Jamie Leverton, would people think I'm, uh, uh, you know, sucking up? No, I'm long HUD-8 because there are times when HUD-8 is rich relative to Bitcoin and times that HUD-8 is cheap relative to Bitcoin in my life, okay? I'm not going to tell you how I make that calculation, and it's probably wrong, but that's how I go through life, okay? And I decided at a time when Jamie went out, and full disclosure, right, Jamie, I told you, when she went out and raised more money, when someone showed her a bot deal, financed bot deal financing at about a buck, five bucks a share. I think they might have done it. It was five bucks. It it might have been done at seven bucks, and then it traded back down because Bitcoin had one of its, you know, little repricing. And they raised money at seven bucks, and then Huddy traded right back down to five bucks, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, I just said, hey, Jamie, 
By the way, I never got shorter stock. Full disclosure, I swear to you, you can look at my trading blotter. I never was short HUD 8, okay? I said, Jamie, I'm buying here. And there was no inside information, no anything. I'm buying. And I think I bought at about five bucks, if memory serves. And by the way, I didn't put, you know, the value of uh, my house into it, but I probably put more than a value of a car into it. So let's just say, all right? And I'm long. And I have been long. And I'm excited about this, but people have to understand. I feel excited, just by the way, as a Canadian company in HUD-8, and, you know, we're not involved. I don't own any HUD-8 stock. I'm excited. Okay. At what you're doing. I need you to guys to understand this, okay? But you don't get too excited about a company that's worth, what are you worth now, a billion four? I haven't looked today. It's about a billion four. And by the way, that last point four billion was because of the announcement she made, perhaps, with an involvement with Validus Power. Yeah, and you can talk about that. Yeah, We will, but I'm not going to say that's why it happened. And I am restricted from trading Jamie's stock now. And I'm personal. it's a personal restriction I've put on myself. But as will be disclosed, uh, HUD-8 and the company I'm involved with, Validus Power, have some plans for the future. And it's all exciting. So I don't want to go there. But yeah, that's not so nice, eh? I went home and said, well, yeah, I am I am pretty much of an arsehole most of my life. But that could have been the worst thing I've ever said to somebody <laughs> when I first when I first met credit to Credit to Jamie. She seems like not holding a grudge against you. Well, no, I, no, I had not a, at all. I, look, I knew I had my work cut out for me. Um, so maybe this is a good time for me to go back and answer your original question, which is how did I yes. how did I get yeah. here? Um, so I'll do the medium length version and then maybe you'll have you back for more. Um, I am originally from Belleville, Ontario. So not sure oh, if you guys are familiar Belleville with Bell Vegas, yeah. but I'm a Bell Vegas girl. I didn't know it was called Bell Vegas. I didn't know. Yeah. I, I, you got to be from there, though. Oh, okay. You got to okay. be from there. I didn't know. Didn't yeah. Know. Yeah. So I'm from, uh, I'm from Belleville and uh, I went to university at the University of Ottawa. I actually did not know that you needed to declare a major when I went to university. So Ottawa, you at that time defaulted you into political science. So I figured my shit out um, over the first year and added psychology as a, as a double major. And so I ended up finishing uh, at the University of Ottawa with a double major in psychology. Very and marketable sci. degree. I only say that because I have not a, a psych and social degree. So, <laughs> not yeah. marketable. Not marketable. And my work experience was waitressing and bartending. Uh, also, I was a cart girl for a while. So then I went to the guidance office and said, I don't know what to do with myself. I, 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 I can't get a career started with these degrees. So I went through a battery of testing and like aptitude and interest. And they spit out this incredibly valuable report, which said I was most likely to be run the Canada. <laughs> we were most likely to run the, the government of Canada. Is that possible? That is not, that did not come <laughs> up at all. No, there, it said basically you need to do a business degree. So, um, I ended up going to the, to Dalhousie university and doing an MBA with a concentration in marketing informatics, hmm. which is really the early days of big data or BI. And I absolutely loved that program. Um, and because it was one of the first of its kind with that concentration, IBM recruited uh, myself and a couple of others from the program. That's how I moved to Toronto in the first place. Uh, I was uh, so I came to Toronto to work to for the IBM, the Bell big Vegas. city, the big yeah. city in 2000, June of 2000. I met my husband uh, while I was the month I got here while I was still living in the hotel. Uh, looking for an apartment, and uh, we met on the rugby field, Canada versus no Ireland, in, wow. in June. Um, were, you, were you playing as well? Oh, no, no. My, oh, uh, I didn't know if there was some practice going on, and you no. were on the rugby field. She was watching no. the guys on the shorts. No, yeah, no. My, uh, one of my good friends from high school 
um, also played rugby, was the scrum half for Canada for a long time. And so I was actually there watching him. And my husband captained that, captained that game to a tie against Ireland, which is just massive, massive for Canadian yeah. rugby. Uh-huh. Um, and so anyway, our eyes locked and we've been together Rest. 21 years. <laughs> so that's how I got to Toronto. That's how my career started. Uh, and I spent 10 years at IBM and then ultimately uh, realized I wanted a, an executive career path, but I wanted to stay in Canada. We had had our first daughter at that point. Um, so I, I transitioned out of IBM. I went to Bell Canada. And that's where I started to do transformation work. So, and then as soon as I did my first um, transformation initiative, I just fell in love with the work. So I did three different transformation mandates at Bell Canada, and then had the opportunity to go to BlackBerry when John Chen had just gone over and BlackBerry was trading around six bucks. And I tried to, I went over as part of the, uh, the handset business because I was just a diehard BlackBerry user and didn't want to see the, the BlackBerry handset lose its uh, place in the world. Um, so I, I uh, gave, gave that my absolute best. Um, and then uh, I actually did a stint in capital markets at, at National Bank um, before transitioning into the co-location and cloud managed services space where um, I went, I was at Kojiko Pier 1 for a period of time as a general manager of Canada and Asia Pacific. And ultimately, Kojiko Pier 1 uh, sold to Digital Colony. And then I went over to eStructure Data Centers, uh, where I was the chief commercial officer. eStructure is one of Canada's largest um, privately owned carrier neutral uh, co-location and data center companies headquartered out of Montreal, backed by the Case de Pau. And that's what I was doing when I got the call in August, um, asking if I'd be interested in considering the HUD-8 role. And really, it was... Uh, I spent a long time uh, figuring out what was happening in the Bitcoin space, really doing deep due Because were due you into Bitcoin on, before that or not really? I had dabbled in the last cycle because I was in the data center space at the time and we would get phone calls every day, multiple calls a day for Bitcoin miners trying to come into our data centers uh, because they, they had equipment then, but they, they didn't have a power source that was competitive. So they would pay, they were willing to pay traditional data center rates back then just to get their equipment plugged in. Now, we all know what happened. The economics changed and, and uh, most of those people didn't survive. Certain, they, couldn't, they couldn't continue uh, to get the returns they needed at the power rates they were paying. Uh, but that was my first exposure to this space. Uh, so I stayed, I, I continued to pay attention, but obviously I was in a different career path. So when, the, when I got the call in August um, and kind of went all the way back down the rabbit hole, Michael Saylor had just made his trade. And for me, it was just a, an incredible moment of clarity of what was coming in the, in the, in the cycle, uh, particularly given everything we're seeing globally uh, with the printing of fiat currency at a scale never, ever before seen or even imagined. Um, and so the power that Bitcoin represents as a deflationary hedge is just so obvious, so relevant, so necessary. And then as I got further into my due diligence on HUD-8 and realized here's this incredible Canadian asset with Bitcoin on balance sheet, um, great energy and, and partnerships in Alberta actively in production, it, it was just, it was really one of those moments where um, it was almost too good to be true. And at the end of the day, Bitcoin mining is data center management. 
it's it's the same underlying principle. We have a bunch of power and like a bunch of compute. For, you were built for this. I kind of feel like I was, and even I even with that little bit of exposure to traditional finance. You said a you were in bank at the national. You had a yep. little, you know, yep. just a little I'd touch been in there. Capital yeah, markets. I saw how just the a little machine bit. Yeah. worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, with all you know, all of its complexity, and uh, yeah. So I took the helm of HUD eight on December first, and put my seatbelt on, and we have been uh, absolutely moving ever since. We've made a ton of big announcements. I've hired an incredible leadership team as we've kind of flushed out the organization. Uh, incredible general counsel, head of regulatory, Tanya Woods, who used to head up the Blockchain Association of Canada, uh, was was counsel at, at Bell Canada as well, so we had some shared experience there. Uh, Sue Ennis has joined as our head of investor relations, just incredible powerhouse from the, from traditional capital markets and then the last few years uh, in the Bitcoin space, our new head of technology. Sue Ennis, by the way, worked at 3IQ before. Oh, got so, it. Okay. And, and yeah. one of our one of our guys uh, put Sue in touch with Jamie. Got it. Yeah. That's Very right. cool. Yeah. So it's Small just world. it's a great team. And then uh, obviously we did that capital raise, seventy seven point five million dollars. Uh, really, really uh, nice for the war chest. It allowed us to pay off that that loan that we had that got us through crypto winter. So our balance sheet is absolutely rock solid. We announced the opening of a yield account in January. So actually, we we now have a new revenue stream that's pure margin and is the interest that we make off off the Bitcoin that we hold on our balance sheet. So we take advantage of the appreciation of Bitcoin, and we also got it. Have I didn't a, know that. Okay. Yeah. So it's a revenue stream that pays us in fiat currency. Because you're lending, uh, you're providing liquidity by lending out some of your Bitcoin to institutional. Well, no, we. Our yield account is with Genesis, so we oh. we just deposited in an, in an account with Genesis as a counterparty, and uh, we it's open. We within 24 hours notice we can move in or out. You understand why why it's valuable for Genesis though? I, d I don't think I do. So I do. No. Can I jump in? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, there's lots of people that want to short Bitcoin, but in order to short it, you, you need, need to, to borrow it. it. Okay. So what do you so think they're Genesis? Providing the yeah. So what do you, how do you think Genesis is making their pound of flesh? Yeah, they're loaning that out to other people. At a higher rate than mm -hmm. they're paying Jamie. Mm -hmm. Is Genesis a bank then? A little bit? A little bit, right? Mm -hmm. They're making a spread on a lending rate. And what's the spread they're making, you think? Or is that just uh, is, a guess? This is a guess. Yeah, if if, if they're paying guess. Jamie 9.5%, no, is no, that no, what four, you mean? Four. four? Nine and a half. Listen, yeah. listen. Okay, so <laughs> they're they're probably lending it at 9.5%. You got it. And they're paying Jamie four. I this is un this yeah, is no, unscripted. Sure. No, unscripted. It. It's a guess. Just curious. Um, but hey, everything's a spread, right? If you're if you're in the business of taking a spread, that's that's a great business because yeah. you're actually not taking risk, right? Yeah. So anyway, we're learning from you. You got me checking credit default swaps like daily right <laughs> good, now. Just so you good, know, because Bitcoin is default insurance on all of the sovereign nations of the world. So I want to come back. To no, but, I but, but I, can I can I jump in here? Sure. So this is how small a world it is. So so Jamie and I meet, and she goes, "Yeah, I used to work at uh, at uh, National Bank Financial." I go, "No kidding. You, do you know Sean St. John?" And she goes, yeah, I, I, I think you said something like, I really like the guy. But if you don't, I really like the guy. Sean St. John and I started in the business in Canada trading high-yield bonds against each other. He worked at a, at a company called Richardson Greenshields, which doesn't exist anymore. And he worked for a very famous Canadian high-yield bond trader by the name of Ian Milne. And Ian was, or sorry, excuse me, Sean St. John was Ian Milne's, sorry, hold on, 
yeah, Sean St. John was Ian. No, Ian Milne was. Anyway, they both admired each other. Uh, someone was someone's protege. I'm not really sure who who was how, how that relationship works out. But I'm really tight with Sean St. John, and I had actually gone in with Sean Cumby, the CIO of and Fred Pye, and introduced Mr. Sean St. John. I said, Sean, this is the coolest trade I've ever seen in my life. You guys at National Bank Financial need to get involved in Bitcoin. This was in 2016. Wow. I gave him a book. I was like, Sean, he's like, oh, Foster, I, you know, we've always had a great relationship. And he's the chairman now of National Bank Financial, not chairman or vice chairman, or he's a big wig in capital markets at National Bank Financial. All right. Sean, if you're listening to this, you can send in the correction as to whatever you are. But he's big. All right. He did zero. He did zero Bitcoin. They actually even had Bitcoin, though. They have a big trading floor. If you guys have never been on a trading floor, it's a wonderful thing. Actually, they have this their huge trading floor in Montreal is one of the most beautiful trading floors in the world. Uh, who cares? Oh, wow. Nothing happens in Quebec <laughs> that matters. Okay, it does. It does not matter. Who cares? It, it, sorry, a trading floor <laughs> in Quebec is like having like. You're a, all about the math. You're okay. about the, Jamie and I, okay, will, pre- I will appreciate. I, I appreciate you know, beautiful things. I will appreciate going. And to I the said tra- that about a trading floor go. in Quebec uh, as a Montrealer and a diehard Montrealer. But look, okay, so and they're Toronto trading. Floor. You're lucky you're a Habs fan and you're here. You're lucky you're in the room here. Greg. And the Toronto no trading kidding. floor. In the Toronto trading floor, they actually though this is in 2016, so they have ten-year rates up there. There's currency rates flashing across the board, and, and in the bottom corner, they actually have Bitcoin on their board. I'm like, Shawnee, if you have it on your board, Sean St. John, you have it on your board, your traders are watching it. Well, how come you're not involved? Crickets. No, no answer. Why aren't banks involved in Bitcoin, ladies and gentlemen? Because banks' business is going to get destroyed by Bitcoin. And they know it, and they're chickens, and they're praying that it doesn't succeed. But guess what? It's already succeeded. And if the banks don't get involved in Bitcoin... It's over. This is, I, I, I agree. Think, I don't think they know it. That's the, no, they I, do. I Sean St. John, Sean St. John is now, not a silly now. man. Yeah, okay. okay. Sean St. John is not a silly man. But this is why I'm interested in what Jamie's doing with Huddy, because in my mind, I'm like, wait a second. Okay, so it, it does really feel like you were built for the role that you're in right now. Just hearing you explain all that stuff, it feels Before like... Before I forget, the, the one thing that I really like that you said is and that, that kind of gave me a sense of pride when you said, you know, it's I, this, there's this great Canadian asset. And, and I think that's something that we can all be proud of. Yeah, with, we should with this, Yeah, exactly. And there's got to be more of that mm-hmm. around here. And seeing that and seeing what you're doing with it and the growth in it, it's it's great for everyone. Well, we're also Canadians uh, late as Narwhal. We crossed the billion-dollar valuation a couple of weeks ago, which in I Canada makes us a narwhal. We've also crossed uh, over to unicorn status in the U.S. because we're over a billion USD. Um, but it is really, really exciting. Yeah. And actually... We, uh, we hit an all-time high the week of Chinese New Year. Our all-time high that week was 888. Oh, wow. For hot eight. And we were all just like, there's there's something, <laughs> something going, going on. on. Like, this is this is but the karma evo- goodness. A- a- evolution of this. And, and Greg, I know where your mind's going to go with some of this stuff. But when I see hot eight, I just think, okay, so hot eight's doing all this wonderful stuff using Canada's energy and stuff. But mm-hmm. then I just think banking, Nick, to like what you're talking about. I'm like, there's so much more that can how they can do if it chooses to and it's the right things and i i, I know there's lots of other well, things well, that you're well, battling right now but if you just extrapolate the future out here i don't know why doesn't Huddy launch like a credit card 
can be doing so. <laughs> Gemini's I'm, launched a credit card. Ge- no, I know, no, but I'm just just like I, I'm just thinking like there, the the opportunity for you to decide what you want to do is going to be limitless. Okay, let's let's. I'm gonna I'm okay, gonna and you might choose not to go into those areas for all valid reasons because there's so much opportunity in front of you and what you're doing. But the fact that you can make those choices is absolutely unique into the, in the world. Hey, Tom, 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 it's totally, you're totally right. Except they can't even figure out how to do mining correctly yet. Yes. How are they going to run? No, I no, know. And I'm saying because the, the whole industry doesn't know how to do mining. You're, in, you're not talking about me. You're no, talking no, about no, the industry. industry. We're in, really no, no, good at mining. I, 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 okay. Yes. Yeah, in, okay. You're, you're really good at mining and you're in like the D leagues. Okay. Because yeah, the they space. actually don't know energy. Miners, no disrespect. Miners do not understand energy. And they can't control their output cost. Okay. Space so is listen, to me, early. listen to me for a second. Oh, early. Yeah. Bitcoin's early. Yeah. That, that's, okay. that's, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I need you guys yeah, yeah. to start thinking market caps. Okay. What is the combined market cap of the big five Canadian banks? I, I don't know. I'm going to guess 300 billion Canadian dollars. Just guessing. Okay. I think Royal's probably 80 billion and TD's probably 70 billion and there's six of them and six times whatever. Someone help me out. I think 300 billion Canadian dollars is not a bad guesstimate of what uh, the Canadian banking system is worth. That's interesting because Bitcoin's worth a trillion. So already Bitcoin dwarfs the Canadian banking system. But Jamie is one billion. Okay. So you have Bitcoin, which is a trillion. You have the Canadian banking system as a whole. That's what I feel. Okay. So yeah, yeah. But don't forget, somebody who's a billion dollars does not launch a credit card. No, I I get it. Remember, I said I like to live in the future. This is actually the first time... I've seen Greg slow something down. Oh, yeah, and I'm only just extrapolating out just for fun. Like, I understand there's operational things you got to deal with today. Like, there's problems everywhere running yeah, a business that you have to deal with and that are the, the most pressing things. I'm just kind of going way It's ahead. really cool what you're thinking. I think it's going to come. There is absolutely no question it's going to come. But everyone's got to focus on what they do well. Yeah, okay? which makes sense. Understand they it. they got to focus on what Agreed. you're doing well, yeah. okay? And hence, this might be a really neat time to talk about the potential partnership yeah, between Valis. Yeah, we, we will. Yeah. I'll let Jamie lead the discussion, but let's not. Let's not. I love to look out twenty-five years, but I also got to look out twenty-five minutes. Okay, like we have accomplished so much, as Michael Saylor would say, it's the fastest growth of a network to be a trillion-dollar valuation ever in the history of mankind. Okay, that's great, but that's a worldwide network. So, take a step back. We're a puny portion of that in Canada. I think we talked about Bitcoin miners as being less than, you know, it's, it's measured in the single digits as a yeah, percentage. Nice yeah. okay. yeah. So why? Because we have strength. We have strength in natural resources in Canada. But you go into a boardroom of Suncor and you start talking Bitcoin, you might as well be talking about, you know, tuna fish. Okay, even, because even today, like, I feel like even the last 60 days, I it doesn't matter. These guys, uh, it, it, it's a revolution, not an evolution. Okay, that's the mm. problem. Mm. These guys think it's going to be an evolution. No, 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 guys, it's not an evolution. It's a fucking revolution. And if you think that it's going to be an evolution, you're going to be sent out to the side of the curb. So you got to think fast, but then you got to understand what you're good at. And these mining companies, these energy companies like Suncor, they should be good at energy, right? They should be, but they're not even thinking to the Bitcoin. Oh, no, 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 the, the Bitcoin. We'll, we'll price everything in terms of barrels of oil. Okay. What if your barrel of oil starts trading in Bitcoin? Because that's coming, right? And then the energy companies will have made the leap, right? You remember we talked about that. When oil and natural gas are priced in Bitcoin, it will be the de facto reserve asset of the world. If 
feels like a natural next. Like, a, of course, so it's many natural. Things we can argue in that. The statement, guys that are but, okay. So, but, who's the guys that are running Suncor Energy? How old are they? They're my age and older. What do they so that's really? Like, that, what, 150 or 160? <laughs> they're not I'm twice joking. my age. They're not you're twice young, my age. Young, but I'm 57, and these guys are probably 50, 58 uh, or 59 or older. And again, they have no clue about what the younger generation does. They have no clue how Bitcoin works. Oh, it's got to be a tulip because Jamie Dimon says it's a tulip. Now, do you think Jamie Dimon knows it's not a tulip, but is saying it's a tulip because Suncor is a client of JP Morgan. And JP Morgan does not want Bitcoin to succeed with all of their heart because he knows that Bitcoin will disintermediate traditional banking. So it's a bit of a, you know, it's an echo chamber of buffoons. Okay, it's an echo chamber of buffoons. It does, it does feel like I, I I strongly agree. I really feel like I was telling Nick when we first because we Jamie we dismissed Bitcoin. Nick and I for years we had clients of ours talking about it. We had people of us talking about it. And we're like, listen, we got to pay taxes in Canadian dollars. I'm not going to take your Bitcoin in our business here. I have to pay like HST and payroll taxes and stuff. This doesn't make we, sense. We only looked at it as a currency. Yeah, we just like we looked only at, looked at it that, that that's way, where right? we were coming from. So that stings a little now, right? You'll, a little, <laughs> yes, a little, a little, a lot. But then in March of this year, with COVID, our office completely closed down. We started reading, and Nick and I pretty much went, quote unquote, all in um, this past spring. Um, and it's been a ride since since then, of course. So it's it's been interesting to us. And I just I just feel like one of the things that Nick and I were talking about is that when when we look at software, you know, when I first left Oracle to go to Netsuite. You know, it was a, it was a bunch of you know a bunch of people leaving Oracle to say, hey, we're you know people are going to put their accounting software into the cloud, and everyone at Oracle, not everybody at Oracle, but a, quite a few people at Oracle, which was already a, a tech company, forward-thinking tech company, was saying, well, Tom, no real medium-sized companies are going to put their accounting data right. into the internet. That's way too risky. Mm -hmm. And I remember, this is why I like to think forward. In my mind, I was already there. I'm like, what are you talking about? Everybody does online banking. You personally do online banking. It's just another step to do your business stuff. And then you don't have to upgrade servers. You don't have to do all this kind of nonsense. NetSuite's going to blow up. Like, it seems so obvious to me. And I never looked, I never, I never understood why people didn't get it. And then I went to, you know, NetSuite and it was a great ride and they went public on the New York Stock Exchange for a billion dollars and the whole bit. And they've kind of grown since then. And you see what software does to things. And I feel like software is going to do that to Greg, to your point, to the banking industry. I feel like software is going to eat the banking industry. Like, I, I, I feel like it's going to... Out of way. And what, what is Bitcoin? You know, software. Math and code. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so that's what, when I jump ahead, like, uh -huh. I understand. No, and but I, I, I apologize. I, if I if I jump down your throat, oh, no, no, I, no, I didn't no, no, mean no. it. Like, but like, I feel like it was the principal putting me into the... No, I like no. it. He was like, hey, listen, Tom, you just sell down a little bit here. Well, we got which problems. Which is the opposite got, of what Greg's normally doing. Well, <laughs> I'm just trading, by the way. I'm just buying some well, volatility right on my phone. I know. I see what you're doing. But so here's the flip side to that, right? Because I always got to bring in the flip side. Nick's so got to bring me back down. No, 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 because here's the thing, because I agree. And, and logically, that's where my mind goes as well. The only thing is to get, to get to that point, I think it's a messy transition. And why I say that is because many wars have been fought to protect the barrel of oil being priced in American dollars. So what did Henry Ford say in 1921? I'm, 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 what did he say? Okay. No, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm just saying like hearing that, I'm like, okay. yes, I agree that that is the, that's a logical statement because it just seems it's global. It's instantaneous. Uh -huh. it, it's, it's equal, it, it, it equals the playing field. 
But man, there's a lot of people's oh, yeah. interests that oh, are yeah. hurt by that. Oh, yeah. and, and to get to that stage, so listen, it's not like, hey, here we go. We're, we're going on a 45 degree math. angle to that point. It's only math. It's going to be messy. Why, it's why are you saying it's only math? So why? Fiat currencies are programmed to debase, okay? And the, the capitalist system requires, uh, requires debasement of, secure, of fiat to survive. So, so I think the, we're the banking. Wars are fought to maintain fiat currency, though. That's, that's fiat, where I'm coming well, let, from. Let's, let's, let's take a full step back. Yes, generally, though, wars are fought to get the wealth of other countries. Correct. That's okay. fair. That's, that's okay. fair. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's, but let's not talk about war because Bitcoiners are optimists. Bitcoiners are going to stop a war. No, I'm a bond trader, remember? Yeah, well, bonds don't matter anymore now because bonds are done, okay? Bonds well, saw, are baked, I saw, okay? Oh, I saw so, overnight. You see what's happening overnight last it's night? It's still a rounding area, guys. Yeah, okay. You have no hey, we, idea. We, we want to talk to you about uh, Valis and the repo markets there. But okay. Nick, just for this point, what Nick, Nick's just saying is that hud eight's already lending out its Bitcoin and making a yield on, on that. Like this is First kinda, steps. First, yeah, absolutely. But that's what I mean. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. Happening. It's Hey, yes, it is happening. And we're going to design the system that will rescue the world from this stupidity called Fiat Ponzi. Okay, Fiat Ponzi is what allows banks why, to why be. Why are you emotional? Because I get emotional about the fiat system because I think of our parents and how hard yes. our parents worked, and when they saved up money, right? And to see their savings gonna get debased, that's and that's really why I get emotional, exactly. Because I'm trying to transfer wealth to my kids, and that wealth is being debased each year at a 15% rate because they're printing money at a 15% rate. Mm -hmm. Don't overlook and believe the CPI basket and all the bullshit that they tell you about non-inflationary measurements. They measure that basket and switch that basket to their advantage. You all mean, the our time. listeners are not one point six percent. Our listeners are I'm well versed. Yeah, okay, we, so we, here, so so I love what you're saying. The good thing about Bitcoin is it's got a twelve year track record, and now COVID is the is the pin that pricked the balloon. We were on a horrible path. Mm -hmm. COVID just absolutely yeah, amplified accel everything. accelerated. Yeah, okay, so so I need to say this though. We are going to design the system that will save the inevitable concerns that you have. If you change to a Bitcoin standard, it's my opinion, you can change conflicts between countries. It sounds like a leap of faith. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, you better hope I'm right because history, as you said, is full of wars started over this. And you're right. So what does Bitcoin do? Potentially, I'm not going to tell you it stops wars. It gives you an alternative standard that's not a fiat Ponzi that allows you to recalibrate and store your wealth and structure an economy based on a unit of account that is not programmed to debase. Okay, a lot to think about there. Let's, let's just imagine the outcome I'm trying to say is that uh, it, it, is, it could be a very beautiful solution to a very historically difficult situation. I do agree. I, yeah, I, I think agree. the path, I'm still, my concern is just, I'm just interested in the path. How choppy. I'm an operations guy. Remember, he's the big thinker. I'm the <laughs> operations guy. So he has the idea. And then right away, I start And I know the idea is right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the problem. Yeah. We, we, we let him have, have, you know, we, we, we all got sympathy for siblings, right? So we, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> who's older between you two? I'm the way. older brother. You can't Smarter. tell with that gray beard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You can. laughs> I just have no more hair and God, everything's going gray. I wanted to ask Jamie. Oh, sorry, oh did you guys see that by the way, what the Bitcoiners did for me? It will, where they put my laser yeah, eyes on my forehead to get rid of my bald spots. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you guys are brilliant. Did you see that, Jamie? I saw the I, laser eyes. I didn't know that's what they were trying to. Well, that, no, I, they put them on my on my head like goggles. Okay, because I, I was on this podcast and I go, guys, can you do something about that bald spot that I got going? And the, within ten minutes, their Bitcoin artist sent back my Google my my laser eyes on my forehead with my uh, you know covering my uh, my bald spots. So. Uh, 
So uh, did you have one more? No, no, okay. Because okay. I'm Validus, yeah, Valid So what's going on with HUD-8 now and Validus? What's that all about? Just to help us understand. Yeah, so we've announced um, an exclusive period where we are working together to see what the art of the possible could look like in a partnership. What I love about Validus is they are... You're they smiling know, as you say it. Just say whatever is coming to mind. They know energy inside and out at scale. Regardless of geography, regardless of energy source, all they think and breathe is energy. And a partnership with somebody that only thinks and breathes energy could allow me to only think and breathe Bitcoin mining, that side of the business, versus trying to figure out both. And I think these types of partnerships where you're playing exactly in your lane and you're aligned on um, mutually beneficial outcomes could be revolutionary in this space. So that's what we're talking so about. So it doesn't, that type of, because that, what you said is makes a lot of sense and that type of partnership doesn't exist elsewhere? Like you guys haven't seen it elsewhere? Haven't, haven't really? seen it, no. I guess because from the outside it, outside, it would seem like such an obvious partnership. Digital energy. You know what I mean? It seems so obvious. Digital like, oh, energy. But then already, it takes so people cooperating. A lot of people have a mindset that they have to kind of just worry about everything in their own right. backyard. And try without, to do it all themselves. Exactly, yeah. Right. So that that's the difference. Right. Yeah. Digital energy in payment for natural resource energy. Very simple. Yes, they are experts. 20-year track record. So, yeah, and can you explain Validus a little bit? I'll let Jamie go ahead. Uh, but I you said that, you said that, you said that 15 minutes ago, and you did. She, that's the first time she smoked. She did, so. her, part. She did her part. I know, man. I'm, I'm the miner. Validus is the energy. Yeah. yeah, okay. So here, so I am involved with Validus. I was very lucky to get introduced to them uh, via mutual friend. And um, yeah, I'm extremely impressed by their expertise. 20 years more of, than of trading power, managing power. Um, the CEO is a uh, Northern Ontario kid uh, from uh, North Bay, to be exact, and he's indigenous, okay? He is a brilliant, brilliant man. Um, he's an engineer. He loves power. And I started talking to him about Bitcoin and it took a long time for him to make the, uh, the link. Okay. But he was onto it. And I said, I want to, he says, I want you to become a partner of my firm. And I said, how much is it going to cost? And we carved out a, a price. So I paid money and, uh, I'm invested in what I believe to be one of the coolest opportunities in, uh, the Canadian energy because space. Because Validus is pulling up basically 18 wheelers. It's okay. So mobile. we could talk about that, but let me, let, before we focus on Validus, uh, specifically, I want you guys, so I have this model. Let me just pause for one second. Jamie, you still okay for time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. This is the model that I think the world is going to be built on. Okay. And think of an hourglass. And here's Bitcoin miners. You know we're audio only. Also. I know, I know, but I'm showing these guys, and they're gonna take this on a napkin cover, and they're gonna go out, and they're gonna be like, "So Jimmy has your back, there, right? She's watching us. <laughs> she does, and she's boss. She's you know beautiful. they can't see what you're drawing. Okay, look. The so think of an uh, an, uh, 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 an hourglass, okay? And uh, the Bitcoin miners are in the nozzle of the hourglass, okay? And then. Um, how do I spell this? Financial services. Okay, up here. Okay. After all so, that time in financial so services. Look, 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 look. <laughs> so here's the Bitcoin miner. Think of an inver think of an hour hourglass where the sand actually flows up, not flows down. Okay. So the energy guys are taking energy out of the earth and 
providing it to miners so they can convert it into Bitcoin. Digital energy from natural energy, okay? Within, you can have the green, you know, you could wrap it in green and say a, the solution Validus provides is the flare gas solution where you're actually capturing waste energy and converting waste energy into Bitcoin. So Bitcoin doesn't waste energy. It converts waste energy into Bitcoin. Because that energy would have been going flared, where without... Flared into the universe. These are... You can either... So when you run put, it through that generator, correct. it comes out cleaner? The waste comes out cleaner than just flaring Well, it? first of all, you have to clean the gas because it's pretty dirty gas. But if you guys remember your chemistry... Uh, you guys remember chemistry, right? So methane is CH4 plus uh, you need some oxygen in there. Definitely do not something, remember you don't, that level. You don't remember that? No, no. So then you get 2H2O2 or something like that. 2H2O, 2H2O plus CO2, okay? Plus energy. Oh, sorry. So when you, when you burn methane, which is CH4, and combine it with oxygen, that creates energy plus water plus carbon dioxide plus energy. I think. I can't remember exactly, okay? The point being, if you capture that carbon when you burn it, and you're mining energy, capturing the carbon, you're not flaring methane, either burnt or cow farts, because that's what cow farts are. And you heard that cow farts are destroying the ozone, right? You know that. Well, I have, I have okay, that, so yeah. that's, well, the same thing. If you're venting pure methane into the ozone or into the, without burning it, you're actually destroying the ozone as well. It's just methane is methane, whether it's produced in the ground or in your intestines. It doesn't matter, right? So we take methane, we burn it, create Bitcoin energy, capture the carbon, no acid rain in the area of flare gas, no methane going into the ozone and, and creating sunspots and all that other stuff, and we mine Bitcoin. Beautiful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah. cleaning, cleaning the environment. It's not, we're not going to call it green energy because what is exactly green energy? Oh, green energy is a windmill. Okay, uh, fool. Listen to a second. If you think that green energy is a windmill, but it takes no energy or steel to 260 tons of steel goes into every windmill. Those I think 200 there's a documentary out there that mo that okay. measures the amount of energy. Of all people, Michael Moore made it. He too. did, and yeah. then it's not yeah. on the it's not on the internet anymore because really? it's not. Oh yeah, they took it down. You cannot find that Michael Moore no. where Al Gore's up there saying, "Hey, uh, like I'm I running this whole thing on." Ago. Yeah, I'm. Well, maybe it doesn't matter. Here's what he said: I'm. We're, we're managing all this stuff on solar energy, oh, and they go behind, and there's diesel generators powering the the stage. You guys have seen that. Let me go back to windmills. 260 tons of steel in that windmill, in every single windmill, with carbon fiber blades, okay? Those 260 tons of steel, if you took and put that windmill in the perfect wind alley, perfect, perfect condition, it takes three years for that energy that was required for the steel manufacturing, coke, you know, uh, uh, coking coal plus iron ore equals steel, doesn't come for free, you gotta fire it up in a blast furnace, to recreate that energy that's required for that steel requires that windmill to be spinning perfectly for three years. Oh, but it's green. It's green. Hey, Turkey, do some fucking conservation of energy, okay? So all these windmills that you see, oh, they're beautiful things. Okay, well, they're noisy, they're killing birds, and they have carbon fiber uh, wind, windmills. Uh, carbon fiber doesn't come free. You know, you're using energy to do that. And, by the way, try and dispose of a carbon fiber windmill blade. It will be in a landfill for the end of time. But so, even, even without the, so you're, you're right with all that stuff. But even without that, it's it's not about the energy that it. This is wasted energy. This is what, it, what it clarified it for me. If you're taking the energy that's be, has been wasted historically over time, anyways, 
and then Correct. you're using it. That's, Correct. So whether windmills windmills are green or so not, it's this that. Is, so that's why we're not that, defining like, this as we're not defining this as green. No, okay, but can you're you using please, what was going to be using, wasted. Thank you. You're a beautiful man. Not only you're a bond trader, but you actually get things <laughs> oh, within no. within a, a certain amount of time. Okay, there's not a lot of things that are really green energy out there, you guys. Okay, so you're going to say solar panels, and I'm going to say, have you actually done the math on how much, you know, how much uh, fossil fuels goes into constructing solar panels? No, no, I've never done that. Well, maybe you should before you wrap yourself around. So complete solar your panel. thought process. Okay. There on that. So here's the thing. Here's the future. So this was the bottom. We talked about the bottom with Bitcoin miners in the in the center controlling the flow, and here are financial services that are made using Bitcoin. Okay. So what what can we slot in there? We could slot in Bitcoin lending. Okay, which we talked about. We can slot in custody. We can st uh, slot in uh, platforms yeah. like you know a, a Bitcoin wallet. We can do this. Okay. And you do the math on the market cap of what this yeah. is worth. Versus what this is worth, and no disrespect to Jamie, well, honey, what this right is worth. Okay, that's good. It's a fucking rounding error. Mm -hmm. We don't care about this stuff. But it also means the the importance of my watch is when you might. Know, hey, hey, Vic Gilmore. So my watch is going off again. You remember the first time I was here? Yeah, I I'm did. going to his cottage this weekend. So uh, trying to tell you, so hey, are he, you bringing the wine? Or no, not? no, he. Ha I'm going to a Costco run after this, so he's probably trying to get me on a Costco run. Anyway, guys, do this. Do this math. Okay, do this math. So my phone went off the first time. At least now I'm smart enough to have it on mute, right? So the first time I'm in sitting in here at the phone, you remember that? Yeah. You guys? And I'm like, I don't know how to turn it off we because just, I just, he doesn't know. He doesn't know we don't care. We're like, yeah, just let it ring. Yeah, we're we'll like, this is pretty casual. Don't worry. So so anyway, do the market value of all of these things and how it adds up. And this thing up here, I'm conservatively gonna say is worth about ten. Uh, you know what? I'll go 100 trillion. Yeah. I think this is I'm worth 100 you. trillion dollars. So, so you went so from 10 to 100 yeah, pretty no, no, quick. No, 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 I just have to because don't forget what round, this is. Stroke okay. of a pen. Round, okay. of a rounding pen. error. Okay, how about this? Just how about for this? everybody so listening, what is this, though? Greg Foss just said that it's the financial services component of what you're describing. Correct. You're saying is 100 trillion. And then Bitcoin miners publicly traded everywhere. I don't know. Jamie, you're a billion. I'm going to add an. Uh, I'm going to give you roughly, roughly, and it's not even close to this. I'm going to say it's worth 2 trillion here. It's not even friggin' close. Okay. And then the bottom. The bottom is the energy industry, and that's worth way, way more as well. It's I'm going to say I don't know. I should do this math sometime. I'm going to say this is fifty trillion. That would be interesting math. But okay, see this. Okay, take a photograph of this because this is the future, right there. Okay, and that's what solves all of the problems of the world. Get and this is what yeah, we're get a picture it, of Greg it, it, holding it, it with it, his it, Bitcoin it, hat it, right it, now. That's it. that's a classic one right there. Need that. I got it. But but uh, but that also shows me the importance of the miners in the middle there. Oh, hey, but miners can it could be anybody. Mm -hmm. I, I, no disrespect to Jamie, no. but anybody who can get ASICs chips, anybody, insert client name here. No, no, no but, but the can, miners, without the miners, there's no Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Agreed. There's oh, no network. And, and, and Wait a minute, though. Remember that the miners were not always publicly traded. The first Bitcoin miners started by mining Bitcoin on their computer. So all I, okay, yeah, all they're, they're mi miners. But to doesn't point, matter. It's miners are miners. Miners are miners are miners. Yes, yes. Yeah. except this is based on a capitalist system where these things start getting valuations based on public market trading multiples, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, I hundred percent agree, Jamie, that you are you guys are a very important component of this. But there's no moat to be a Bitcoin miner. There's no moat. I feel like there is a moat. Okay, tell me the, how. The partnerships that are developed, those relationships. Now, who now who has any? Who has any? Well, Harit has one with you. Okay, but, you know, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's evolutionary. Yeah, but, but, if but, Thomas, it's, but look, if we want to start a mining company. And then the capital costs up front. 
So you're hitting some of the very salient points, okay? A $2 trillion market cap industry, which is Bitcoin mining, and it's not even close to that. I'm just using two because I got 100 sure, on yeah, one yeah. end and 50 trillion on yeah. the other. It is almost impossible for it to disintermediate the other industries unless they partner. Right. Bingo. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that yeah. is what you need to do. Right. Okay. And that's all I'm here for is to try and say, how do you get from point A to point B? You don't do it because you're standalone. You don't go in and say, I'm $2 trillion and I'm going to take over a $150 trillion business. It just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You need partnerships. You need, and then you need to understand how big a stick you swing in that partnership. So all of this is really cool. I'm so excited to be part of it. Jamie, I, I, look, I, we haven't hugged yet, and maybe by the end of the, uh, the show we may hug. Uh, COVID aside, no, we won't. But here, here, here's, here's what I know. She is such a great asset, and she sees it. But yeah, that's quite honestly, that's interesting. people before this had no idea. People who are running Bitcoin miners, they're geeks. They're computer geeks. See, because to me, from yeah, the outside, I feel like this is so obvious. Like you, looking at this, I'm like, wow, I see where Hot 8 could put. And I, I, I understand the challenges of everything just going on and yeah, running yeah. an everyday it's business. It's not just easy. It doesn't yeah, get, no, just, no, but, but I can see it's just exciting to be able to have those choices in front of you. That's all I'm saying. It and it's exciting that we have these two great Canadian companies that nobody really has heard of probably or understands what the, what the world of possibilities could be. And it's such a great Canadian story. For, for you yourself personally, it's got to be kind of exciting as well, this, this opportunity, because you're, you've kind of coming into a space that is, you're starting so with you. a, blank sl- a blank slate, so you can really put a stamp on things. And I know that the obvious answer you're going to say is yes, because you're in that role now, so you can't say no, it's not be awesome. shit. It you know? would be awesome if CPPIB actually embraced this story. I actually know the head of CPPIB, and I actually know he gave a big grant to one of our competitors who's not even Canadian. I was thinking, no, really? really? Oh, it's, it's the way Canada works. It, I it's, think it's just, I, I was thinking more along the lines. It'd be really nice if Huddy had some extra Bitcoin to give them to me and Nick. That's what I thought was really nice. <laughs> Here's the funny it, thing, it, and I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to yeah, be yeah, the yeah, arbiter. We're hodlers. I'm going to be the arbiter. I'm going to be the arbiter of value. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to be the arbiter. He gives his away. Hold on a second, and you, you can trade a core position. You can, you can trade a core position. I'm going to just say, for record, I think these two guys own more Bitcoin, Bitcoin than Huddy. It's just not disclosed. <laughs> okay, Possibly? so we'll go from there. We'll go from there. I'm pretty and sure that's, I, I, that would be nice if yes, that was the case. Yes, but, but I'm pretty but sure look, that's not the case. Look, but guess, let's go with yes. yes. Okay, sure. because this is important. Here's a neat stat, actually. Did, did people out there ever see this stat? If you had invested $1,000 in Bitcoin in 2010. Please keep it to yourself. No, no, this is important. <laughs> Do you know how much it would be worth today? I don't. 2000 No. $1,000 in Bitcoin in 2010. Jamie, do you know the answer? $280 million yeah. U.S. dollars. I was going to say 20. Wow. $280 million U.S. dollars. But in 2010, because that's when, you know, I, I knew people like poker players living in our student properties at McMaster University because to get to some of these poker sites that they were getting clamped down on, they were using Bitcoin. That's no yeah, way. yeah, and some of them had Bitcoin left over that then they stopped their playing days and they're like, oh, I got like a couple of Bitcoin left. They're like, what the hell? 
right? So, but I, I, that's when I first heard of Bitcoin. But for me at that time, I, th- I thought it was a poker thing. And then to take a thousand dollars and go buy this thing just to well, leave it there, I don't know what it would have taken. How about you know? though? The, they get it. Gamers tend to get Bitcoin mm-hmm. before yeah. poker players who used to have used Bitcoin. It's, it's a probabilities uh, game. They, a couple they, last things. Cause yeah. I want to make sure I'm honoring Jamie, Jamie's time here is that, mm-hmm. uh, What's going on, Greg, in the repo markets right now? A lot of people are asking us. Let's, it doesn't matter. Let's, does. let's, let's move on. Uh, it is one of the things. Read my paper. Yeah. It's, it's claw. The, the plumbing is it's gurgling. Is gl- no, it's gurgling. gurgling. It's only gurgling. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If you have that acid pe- reflux, you know, you can solve that. You can take an antacid pill. Or if you don't, sometimes it turns into diarrhea. I don't need to go anymore. You just read the paper. I've sent out. This is a warning signal. The, the paper, for a- anyone listening now, we put the paper up. So it's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash FOSS. And it's all assembled into one kind of little PDF. You guys are beautiful. Right there. You're beautiful men. With- J- Jamie, what's the opportunity you, you feel for whether it's uh, HUT8 or the, the industry here in Canada? Like what, what do you think that people are just not even seeing yet? Is it just that HUT8 needs to buckle down and continue do, doing what it's doing? Or what, what kind of gets you excited look, looking forward that maybe you don't discuss all the time? I think what gets me the... Well, actually, there's probably a lot of things. But in the context of your question, we are so early in Canada. I spend so much time educating on what is Bitcoin? Why is Bitcoin the hardest store of value? What is Bitcoin mining? How how does it all work? Like, we are... St- I am still very much educating. So I... Um, I'm excited about the about what the future is going to look like when people actually understand it. They may never, though, right, Jamie? You know, honestly, of course they, they, they may. will. The well, digitally native be, understand it. Fair enough. Then, if you sell, tell someone what's the difficulty adjustment, is anyone ever going to be? Because that's probably the most beautiful invention in uh, in the whole network and. I bet you can't find ten Bitcoiners that but even I, but understand what the difficulty but, but, adjustment. Yeah, I agree. You know what's going down but next I, week. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. What? Oh, oh, no, oh, oh sorry. The Bitcoin. Yeah, the, the difficulty. difficulty adjustment should. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. It's yeah. it's a self-regulating mechanism. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most beautiful things that define the strength of the Bitcoin network. It, but it's interesting, Jamie, hearing you say that because I think sometimes when Nick and I understand something, we're like, oh, this becomes so obvious to us. Like, of course, this is the way. I felt like the Mand- Mandalorian right there. Yeah. This is the way. <laughs> this, this is, is the way. No. Uh, but I felt like, uh, you know, but then hearing you say that just reminds me. And Greg, to your point as well, how much education has to go on? So just know that every time that you're giving the same presentation, maybe there's those of us out here that are cheering you on, saying you do your thing. You know what I mean? Because I really feel like it's important for you to spread the message that you're spreading. So thank you. Because in my mind, I you know I just feel like oh this is obvious. That's Doesn't right. Everybody just get yeah. it. Not and, even and, close. And yeah. to hear you say that reminds me. Wow, you know yeah. my whole idea and then about the most credit, Bitcoin, card, credit but, cards and stuff. But then most Bitcoin miners, that. most right. Bitcoin miners have no idea about energy, and they certainly have no idea about financial markets. And that's why you need to be able to encapsulate the whole thing in a vision that transforms digital, excuse me, natural resource energy into digital energy that allows you to store the value of your work and time and energy today for consumption in the future. So think of yourself as you're saying, you're working on a hot summer roof, you're 18 years old, you're sweating like crazy, and uh, you're working and you're earning, let's say that day you earned 100 bucks in the blazing hot sun, all right? And you wanna, con- you wanna consume that $100 worth of ener- uh, work time or energy in 30 years. And that $100 that you earned that day, it may be worth in 30 years the equivalent of, I don't know, $15, okay? 
$100 goes down to $15. Is that fair? Because the value of that house that you are actually working on goes up in value, but your work time and energy goes down in value. That is why Bitcoin is the most beautiful store of value for transfer for your own work time and energy to your kids. With everything, that, we're so on board with that. That's beautiful, that you, the way you say that, Greg. Um, with everything, I want to ask both of you guys this question. Start with Jamie. Jamie. With all the stuff that you've done in your career, you must have had moments where you've kind of struggled or felt like you're not um, operating to your full capacity. You're not expressing yourself, you know, or the opportunity isn't living up to what it is and you want to change jobs or change positions. How have you managed to navigate such a, a, you know, kind of a winding, cool career the way you have? Is there something you do strategically <laughs> to pull yourself up when you're, you're, you know, you're going through maybe a year or two where they're like, I don't think my career is right. Like, and what I mean by that, is it habits that you introduce in your life? Do you do morning meditation? Do mm. you go for a run? Like, is there stuff that you do that when you know you're like, eh, I'm not quite feeling right? that you kind of pull yourself out of that? Is there is there some strategies? I know I'm throwing this right out of left field. Yeah, no, you, no, I don't mind. It's absolutely true. Um, so historically, I've run, and I use running as meditation. In COVID, I've been running less and doing yoga every morning. And that, for me, is has been critical as a grounding force. So I do think you need some sort of grounding force. I'm not particularly good at meditation because of how my brain works but I can turn it off when I'm engaged in some form of of activity being running or or yoga generally for me my family keeps me grounded I've got two daughters they're 10 and 12 and I make decisions consistently that put uh, me as a role model at the forefront of a decision so what am I modeling for the girls and uh, am I am I walking the walk that I would I would want them to be comfortable walking one day and um, so that's very important to me and in this job uh, I basically just nap there's so much excitement and there's so much to do um, full night sleeps are very very rare but that's okay because it's it's from a place of passion and a place of excitement and I have had a winding career path, but they say change is as good as a vacation. And in a pandemic, there's not many good vacations. So change is uh, certainly the next best thing. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I think you have to kind of find those outlets and make sure that you have a touchstone, some sort of grounding force. And and for me, it's it's absolutely my family, but and uh, and making a little bit of space for myself as well. I like what you said, uh, you know, are you, you make your decisions as a place of a, coming from a place as a role model. That's pretty powerful. It could be very, that I find is helpful too when you're making decisions because that very. makes the decisions easy often. Yeah. Like, okay, I know what the right decision is. This yeah. might suck that yeah. I have to do, make this decision, <laughs> but this is the right decision. So what I would I tell the, my kids to do yeah. in this situation? Totally. So yeah. thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's oh, a great okay. story. And then and Greg, what, yeah, what about for you? Because you know what? You are full of energy and I feel like, <laughs> no, you have so many thoughts in your mind. Going so like, so let, let, let me take this. Uh, so I'm, I'm spiritual. Um, you know, you can argue whether that means I'm religious or not. Um, I'll just say I'm spiritual. So, you know, I try not to differentiate amongst religions, uh, but I am very spiritual. I believe everything happens for a reason. So there, I can look at Jamie's life and I can tell you, hey, look, I can see very clearly why you are where you are right now. You laid out your life for me. Everything had happened for a reason. And it I'm feels t- that way. Just, just so, but I'm gonna, so, so that's great. So, Jamie, you are following. But it uh, there's also a life. feels from the outside for you now. It okay, feels so, very so, similar to you. So remember, I think I told you my story, right? I was an engineer at McGill, but... I wasn't at McGill because I wanted to do engineering. I was at McGill because I was playing football. And I just did engineering because 
I had to do something. And I always knew you could switch from engineering into business, but you can never switch from business back into engineering. Okay. So I loved engineering. I wasn't a very good football player, but I played for four years. And um, the, I, I went to my first engineering class and I'm like, this fucking blows. Excuse my language, but I, I, but I don't know what else I want to do. And I want to play football and I have to have a degree. So I might as well stay in this thing. And I knew for four years I did not want to be an engineer. Okay, I love the math, but I didn't want to devote my life. But in my fourth year, I took this course that as an elective called Turbo Machinery. And it was on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings at 8 a.m. So making a Monday morning 8 a.m. class, that's not too tough, right? Wednesday, yeah, it's getting a little tougher. Friday mornings at 8 a.m. are like, dang, that's hard to make that class. I never missed one class, and I'm certain I was suffering the ill effects of the Thursday night party uh, a little bit every Friday morning, right? But I never missed a class and I took turbo machinery and I'm like, I don't need this to graduate. Why am I taking this thing with walking mainframe computer geeks? Okay, because this is what McGill engineers are, are friggin' brilliant people. Michael Saylor, rocket scientist. I made it through the class. I actually got a fairly good grade in it because I loved turbo machinery. Well, what is valid as power? Okay, then fast forward to today, 30 years later, it's a jet engine on the back of a trailer truck. And to me, it's a thing of beauty. And why did I take machine, sorry, turbo machinery in 1986 at McGill in my fourth year, my last semester, when I could have just coasted? And it's because I was, dang, I was going to meet this guy, Todd Short. And we were going to put jet engines on the back. And I understand what 35 megawatts of power means. Okay, people don't get it. Okay, so I'm okay in math. I understand engineering. And then I went through the financial system. I enjoy system. it when you say people don't get it and you freak because you're, you're usually talking about something you're so passionate about. But, but, like, but, people don't get because it. So I think I've lived, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, yeah, okay? absolutely. I, I, everything I happens for a reason. So here's an even crazier story. So I told you guys my son played some pretty intense hockey, right? So Todd was also, Todd Short, was a really good hockey player up in North Bay. His best friend, in North Bay is a firefighter right now, and his last name is Hargraves. Well, my son was in his draft year for the OHL, and he was on the top team in Toronto, playing against McDavid and beat McDavid's team in the in the final championship with about, of that team, probably 14 of the kids are in the NHL right now. Okay. Then my son's going into his draft year, and he gets cut from his team. Okay. In his draft year. Well, who, God darn it, is replacing him? The kid from North Bay that's Todd Short's best buddy, son, came from North Bay to be recruited. So Todd's in my basement, and he's looking at, and so my son has, we have a poster of my son scoring his first, uh, one. Uh, he, he got a hat trick in the OHL, which, and he got more than one, which is a pretty darn crazy, and we have a poster on the wall, and he goes, your son, oh, that's so awesome. He goes, he goes, do you know this guy Hargraves? And I go, do I know him? He just about ruined my life. Because when your son gets cut sure, in the draft, at that level. and it's Todd Short's best buddy, and there's another example of why everything happens for a reason, because I did not hold a grudge against that guy. I went up to him, and I shook his hand, and I said, congrats for getting your son on the best team in Toronto. And Todd Short, when he did a character reference on me, don't you think he called his best buddy and said, how is that knucklehead Foss? Is he, like, hold a grudge? 
Again, everything happens for a reason. Check, check, check. You, you know what's cool? We call this podcast the Your Life, Your Terms. Mm-hmm. And when we meet people who are kind of what we feel living life on their terms and doing what they're thinking, they have a certain energy about them. And Jamie, you have that about you. You have that kind of energy that you give off that you're like positive about life. Right. And Greg, you, you have that about you as well. You get, you have a bit of passion bottled, bottled <laughs> up in there. So it's really cool for us. And, and I'm very grateful. Nick and I both are to be able to get Jamie, your story shared here and what you've done. And it's and, such and, a great story. And, and, and as a, as a young lady, um, honestly, and I see a lot of my daughter, excuse me, I, uh, how would I say this properly? I hope that my daughter can grow up to be like Jamie. Aww. Okay. Wow. That is so yeah, sweet. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, you it's funny. I was thinking the same thing when you were talking about a role model for for your girls, because I have two girls as well. Oh, wow. And um, anytime, you know, anytime I see, because I still think there's a lot of sexism that goes on in the business world and stuff like that. And you would probably know, yeah. And 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 a little bit. Yes. Little well, bit. well, no, I didn't say a little <laughs> bit. I said a lot. So, but I always, it's yeah. I always just want them to be able to do whatever. It it, it always strikes me. You, you know, I, I see that, and, and it's cool. As 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 the father of two daughters, it's just I'm like, yeah, I wish I want my girls to see that type of stuff too. Whether or not they ever want to do that type of role, maybe they never want it. But I just want them to know that how it's much, possible. It's, it's how much so, of an option is, and they can do it just as well as anyone else. So I've seen it right? real life because Jamie was actually over at my place. We had a bit of a, a Christmas. Uh, gathering um, for Validus and HUD-8 and uh, we were just developing the rapport between the two con- uh, companies and etc and my wife and daughter happened to come in when Jamie was there and and I tell you no I saw it my, my, my daughter really wants to succeed she's got a real big passion and she's looking at Jamie and I can tell she's like okay well, what do I have to do okay I like I like I like the way she carries herself. I like this. I like that. Right. That's cool. So no, it really happens. And I saw it right, right there. It's so important for, for young girls to be able to see women that they could see themselves becoming, correct. not just women in the role, but women that they can Mm -hmm. connect with and that they can look at and think, yeah, I, I could see myself doing that. It doesn't. Yeah. Like I can do that. No. Yeah. That's the key thing, right? I've had those moments. Not, I can see myself doing it, but at least I know it's possible. So listen, we're going to do everything we can to help the success of, uh, of the vision for Canada. And, and that's important, right? Because you can't be too smart by a half. You can't overthink this. You can't think that you're God's gift of this. And someone else will just squash you, right? You, you need to be nimble. I've always said the only reason I survived for 32 years trading risk is because when I was wrong, I mean, immense. I didn't try and make the matters worse. Right. You switch course. I'm not Peter Schiff. I'm not an idiot with mathematics, okay? It's just you switch course when the information changes. And I need to get that dig in on Peter Schiff because every single podcast I go on, I have to I <laughs> He's got to be dig. doing it for attention yeah. at this point. Oh, no, that's, it's theater at his at his level. I, I really like his son. I don't know if Jamie knows this. Did you know I sent Spencer Schiff a, a Bitcoin a, a gift? I go on Twitter. I go, admit, Spencer, that you actually have a Bitcoin wallet. And he does. He did to me. And I'm like, and I just said, I was a, a, a Twitter newbie. And I'm like, this has got to be a Russian robot, like setting me up on the other side. So I, I seeked out some help from various people. No, I think it's real. He did send me his Bitcoin address. I did send him Bitcoin for his birthday. So then I'm pretty excited. And I tweet that I sent Spencer uh, uh, some Bitcoin. Hey, Spencer, congratulations on accepting my, uh, accepting my Bitcoin. Um, you know, you know how to do probability analysis. And Peter Schiff responded. 
Peter Schiff, I swear, responded. And I was giving a lecture in my house to my daughter and a bunch of her friends who wanted to know about... Her poor friends you that come over. They did, they but going over to the Foss household. Just listen. And I had it on a big screen. Dr. Foss. Well, no, no, but see, I had it on a big screen because they wanted to know about finance and trading and everything. So I had my iPad on a big screen and I didn't realize it because it's Apple. You know when your Apple iPad is connected to your, to your big screen? But then all of a sudden I get... And I see this come across and I forget that I'm on the big screen. And I'm like, fucking Peter Schiff, he's engaged me. So, so like this, my daughter, I see the faces of my kids and the, or her friends. They're looking at the screen. Like this, and I'm like, Peter Schiff just admitted his son owned Bitcoin. And, and then he just dissed me. He goes, my son's only 18 years old. He's an idiot. What's your, what's your excuse? So I'm like, wow, this is pretty nice. Thank you, Peter. And then one of the memes came back. Because this is all on Twitter. You know the one that goes, one of us, one <laughs> of us. So I'm still on my thing, and the kids start laughing. And I'm like, what are you laughing about? And they see this gif on the on – the, so that's my big thing with my daughter now is, is one cool. of us. One, and her three fr- – she had four friends. So they were all young ladies who want to know more about trading and finance and everything. And they took it upon themselves. They asked me to give this, uh, this little thing. And right in that Twitter war, right there on the TV – I was engaged with Peter Schiff. The only time he's ever responded to one of my taunts. And, uh, you know, it came in when my young daughter and her friends That's were. That's pretty uh, awesome. Yeah, it was a good, uh, it was a good experience. We'll, uh, we'll leave it at that. Jamie, anything else you want to add? I think that's... No, yeah. I, I just want to thank you guys so much for having me. It was great to meet you, and I'd love to come back. It was yeah. really, really fun. Cool. Thanks, Jamie. Appreciate and for any environment, they never, they never invite anyone back more than once, Jamie. Come on. It's not... Uh, <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. Jamie's busy. We got to save that for when we... You know, we got to <laughs> save it for when we really I was just going to say, for any environmentalists that want to talk to Greg about his uh, windmill theories, you can just reach him <laughs> at <laughs> Greg Foss yeah. on Twitter. Um, that's the best thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so I am... I am totally, look, if, if I'm wrong, you show me where I'm wrong, but I'm telling you, you're wrong. And you know what? You're such a good sport about that because you will it's just true. debate yeah. people back yeah. and forth and, and you will admit if you're wrong about something, which makes you really cool to debate if you, Okay, so here's the neatest thing. I've been taught a couple of really smart, by a couple of really smart people, including Mike Wackerly, who who you guys may or may not know, the good Dragon's Den guy, right? Whack, like crazy maniac. So his the- thesis was, don't read research that enhances your view. Let's say you're a bull on sure. HUD 8, okay? You're a bull on HUD 8 and you own HUD 8 stock. Don't read the research that tells you how great HUD 8 stock is. Read the guy who's short selling HUD 8. Read the opposite. Don't waste your time confirming your own confirmation bias. Read the research that tells Smart. you you may be That's wrong. what I find I'm doing on Bitcoin, and every time I read it, that I get more bullish on Bitcoin. So like, that's the <laughs> argument against it's Bitcoin. It's all good. We'll leave it at that. Thank yeah. you very much. You guys are awesome. Yeah, yeah, Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks, Thank you. Hey, everyone. It's Tom again. So hopefully you enjoyed that banter back and forth on that podcast. You can find Jamie on Twitter, and her Twitter handle is at Jamie, and it's J-A-I-M-E Leverton, L-E-V-E-R-T-O-N, Jamie Leverton. So at Jamie Leverton on Twitter, and Greg Foss is at Foss, Greg Foss. If you are listening to this and you know that Greg put out a four-part series on on fixed income and and, uh, Bitcoin, you can find all parts of that now in a single PDF that we've put together at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash Foss. So just F-O-S-S. So that's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash Foss, and you can get that for four-part series. And if you're listening to this and you want some real estate investing information, you can always go to rockstarinnercircle.com. That's it for this episode. Till next time, your life, your terms.